God and give us liberty in this place that, Lord, not just me uh, would have something to say, but, uh, Lord, if you were to uh, show somebody something or put something on somebody else's heart, that they'd have the liberty to ask the question or, Lord, to add a comment or whatever, uh, Lord, that uh, they might need to do. And, uh, fathers, we come tonight, we're thankful that you are our foundation tonight. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that you are our wisdom, our sanctification, and our righteousness. Uh, we're thankful tonight that you are the one that we are following tonight. And uh, we're thankful, Lord, that you lead us and guide us in the path of righteousness for your namesake. Uh, we're thankful tonight, Lord, that you're watching over us. You are our protector, and you're our priest, and you're praying for us tonight. And you're our prophet, and you tell us what's coming and you're our preacher, and you tell us what we need to hear. And so, Lord, I ask tonight that you'll bless tonight our time together, and maybe we leave here in a little while and just be tickled to death we came. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. We, uh, uh, we'll uh, just kind of back up a little bit just for kind of ease into the lesson tonight. Uh in uh, Revelations, uh, Brother Steve asked a real good question last week, and I misunderstood him. I gave him a wrong answer, but uh, he asked me a question at the end of the uh, service last week. Uh, we were talking about in heaven, there's just one eternal day, and uh, and Brother Steve, uh, he mentioned a verse, and uh, I misunderstood the verse he was talking about over in Revelations chapter 4, and uh, the Bible said there in verse 8, uh, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, uh, as saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And the thing he, uh, he caught there, picked up on, and it tickled me to death uh, when the people are following the Word of God that close and pick up on things. And, uh, and he was asked me at the end of the service, uh, he said, Brother Rick, if heaven's just got one eternal day, he said, why does, uh, which Revelation 4 is a heavenly scene after the rapture of the church, he said, why does it say they rest not day and night? Uh, well, uh, we know because of uh, Revelations uh, 21, if you turn over to Revelations 21, uh, we know what the Bible says over there in Revelations uh, uh, 21 and verse 25. And the Bible says, uh, And the gates of it shall not be shut at all but day, for there shall be no night there. Uh, so we know it says that. And then in uh, Revelations 22 and uh, verse 5, the Bible said, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And uh, so he got me to studying on that because uh, one place said they didn't rest day or night. The other place says that there is no night there. And uh, so we know the Bible don't contradict itself. And so we know when the, when the Bible says something seemingly contradictory, we know there's, a, there's another meaning, another purpose. And uh, I looked at a lot of stuff on this, and I won't go through all the different things. Some of them didn't make no sense at all. Uh, but the one that uh, made the most sense to me, and I agree with it, he said it's not really a reference to the fact that there's night there uh, or day, uh, 
Uh, it's really a reference to the fact that what they're doing, they're worshiping. Uh, they're doing it unceasingly, unstopping. And it uses the phrase, we might say, man, I tell you that guy, he, he works day and night. And when we use a phrase like that, we, we mean that the person never stops. Uh, well, down here, like tonight, we're going to worship tonight. Uh, we're going to have Bible study and worship. And we've had prayer. And we're going to do it till about 7.30 and then we're going to go home. Uh, we're not going to do it unstopping or unceasing. Uh, down here, we're, we got these physical bodies. And in the best service that you'll ever get in, after a while, you get tired. Uh, it don't matter how good it is. I mean, I've been in services that I mean they was this next thing to being in heaven. But after about two hours of it, you get tired and you're ready to call a recess. But the, uh, I think the purpose of the meaning there is it's saying that in heaven that we won't have to worry about being tired and wore out and having to stop doing anything to rest. Uh, the Bible said there is a rest that remaineth for the people of God. And we, we said uh, Revelations 4, we'll be doing three, three things when we get there. Uh, we'll be worshiping the Lord. Uh, we'll be singing. And, uh, and we'll be resting. Uh, but we'll be resting in the Lord. And uh, yes, sir. No, there's there's no connection there at all. Uh, that's two different things completely. Right now, in heaven, right now, there's no night. Uh, in heaven, right now, uh, down here on earth, there is, uh, of course, night. It's night out there right now. Uh, but uh, I think it's definitely a reference to the fact that in heaven, that uh, whatever you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing it day and night unceasingly. Uh, you're going to be worshiping, singing, uh, praising the Lord unceasingly. Uh, and so we know over in Revelations 10 that the angel steps out and he says, uh, time will be no more. Uh, so we know that over there. So he brought that up and that's a good thought. And uh, that's that suffice me, it might not you, yes. Yes, sir, I do. Yes, sir, I do, and uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's back over in Revelations 22, verse 23. Revelation 21, verse 23 said, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Uh, so you've got God there, and He is light. In Him is no darkness. Uh, so he is light, and he's a light of the city. Yeah, thank you, Brother Brian. I had that, had that wrote my note. Yes, sir. Right. Right. 
So anyway, that was very good, uh, Amen. very good uh, question there, Steve. And uh, like I said, that spiced me. It may not spice you. You come up with a better answer, and we'll believe it if you get a better one. Amen. Uh, and then uh, Diane brought up a good point last week there at the end, and uh, we were talking about uh, America. This is that book I was telling you about, uh, U.S. and uh, Bible Prophecy by Frank Logston. And uh, you'll have a hard time finding one. If you do, it'll probably cost you $50 at least. Uh, like I said, I was in the, staying in the basement of a church and uh, in a revival, sleeping down there, and the preacher told me to take, make myself at home. So I got bored. You get bored in a basement with no TV. I mean, you can only pray so much and only read so much Bible. And uh, so I was plundering around back there, and I found this big box of books, which was like a gold mine to me. And, uh, and I found this book in there, and I read it while I was up there in revival. And when I got done with it, uh, to leave, I asked him, I said, I found this book back there. Do you want it? And he said, no, I don't want to take it. Take them all if you want it. And I said, well, I just want that one. And so I got home and looked it up on Amazon, and the one I looked up was like $100, I think. And, uh, and I did buy it. I do have two copies now. But uh, this book, uh, what it does is uh, it was wrote in 1968. And this ain't some crazy guy that wrote it. Uh, Dr. S. Franklin Logston, who at one time was a pastor of the Moody Church, which is a, a well-known church, and it said uh, Dr. Logston risked his reputation by daring to declare that Babylon of Revelations 18, a great nation represented by a principal city that was none other than our beloved United States, uh, while Reverend Noah Hutchinson did not accept with great zeal uh, the premise that our country was the Babylon of Revelations, he thought it was worth studying. We might wonder why a scholar like Dr. Logston would go off on a tangent and present this unpopular opinion, except that the decade of the 60s was the beginning of the indoctrination of a godless America. In 1972, four years after Dr. Lawson wrote his treatise, an announcement appeared in the media. Ancient Babylon was going to be restored to its former state. Wow, uh, what a prophetic bombshell. But everybody knows what ancient Babylon was. But it said the Babylon in Revelations, is, it says uh, it is a mystery. Uh, said Babylon, the city itself, the old one, is no mystery either historically or in a contemporary setting, but the Babylon of Revelation 17 and 18 is said to be a mystery. Perhaps no one, including Dr. Logston and Reverend Hudson, has completely uncovered the mystery, but this is what makes a mystery fascinating. Uh, so anyway, he, he believed that, uh, if you know what Revelations 18 says, that Babylon there... Uh, You've got political Babylon in uh, 17, and then in 18, you've got political Babylon. And it says that political Babylon, well, both of them, but that political Babylon is destroyed in one hour. And, uh, and in this book, he gives a lot of scripture and everything, and he thought it, he thought it was America. I don't know if it is or not, but he thought it, uh, if it was America, that one day America would be completely destroyed. Now, I brought all that up because when we were studying this, I said that uh, one of the mistakes, that uh, one of the things, and there wasn't many things, but one of the things I disagreed 
with what uh, President Trump said was he said that America will never be a socialist nation. And, uh, and I said if America still exists, uh, what you have in Revelation 6 when it talks about uh, everybody getting a measure of flour, everybody getting a measure of wheat, that speaks of socialism. And I said America be one of two things. Either at this time it will be a socialist nation or it won't be no more. And, uh, and then Sister Diane asked at the end, she said, well, it, could there be a possibility that it could be taken over by another nation? And uh, that is a third possibility. Uh, I'm sure if you read much paper, listen to much news, uh, especially in the last month, all that China talks about is dominating the world and, and taking over the world and, and, uh, and all that stuff. So that could be that. So we could say instead of two, there's three things that could be there. One, either America still exists and it's a socialist nation. Uh, number two, it's been taken over by a socialist nation. Or three, it just don't exist anymore because it's just been completely destroyed. Uh, so uh, those were two good good questions they brought up at the end uh, of last uh, week's lesson. Now. Uh, I know there's at least one person here uh, that got a paper tonight, so for their sake, uh, let me just answer down to where we are tonight. Uh, number one, the church will be in heaven from what? Can y'all answer that for them? All right, chapter 4 to chapter 19. Uh, we have, I think, some 19 times the word church is mentioned in Revelations 1 through the end of chapter 4, and after that it's not mentioned anymore. And uh, we might ask the question, why is the church not mentioned after that? Because it's not here. Uh, it's up there. Uh, it's up there. Uh, so uh, so uh, all this time, and again, that's very important as a Christian, that you remember that, that when we go through Revelation 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, when we go through all of that, all that we're studying about, we're not going to be here when it happens. Uh, we're not going to be here when it happens. And we'll talk about that in, a, in, a, in just a minute. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, so why are we learning it if we're not going to be here when it happens? Why would we even need to study it? Because we need to see it because we need that and a lot of other things to really help us be more compassionate toward people that ain't saved and are going to be here when that happens. And family, friends, neighbors, loved ones. I mean, uh, if, we, if we could have more compassion to try to win them so that they wouldn't have to be here during the tribulation. All right. Uh, number two, the white horse rider of Revelation 6 and 1 is the Antichrist. And, uh, and then we had to show why with Scripture. Because when you compare him with the white horse rider of Revelation 19.11, we won't do that tonight. But you could read uh, Revelation 6 and 1 and then go over and read about the white horse rider in Revelations 19 and 11 down through there. Just get you a piece of paper and write all the things about the one in chapter 6 and verse 1 and then write all the extra things about the one in Revelations 19 and 11 and you'll see that they cannot be the same. And as the old statement is, things that are different are not the same. Uh, that's why, you know, people try to push these newer versions of the Bible over on you and, 
If you go in the bookstore, I've heard them say it a hundred times, well, it's just like that one. No, it's just not like this one uh, because things that are different are not the same. Uh, And uh, so to be just like this one, it'd have to read just like this one. Uh, So so, uh, that's what the deal is there. Number four, the red horse is followed by the black horse, which reminds us of darkness, uh, the lights out, a blackout, black death, a sickness, and on and on we could go on that. Uh, okay, they, that gets us down to where we need to start tonight. And, uh, and uh, we're going to look here tonight. Let's start in verses 7 and 8 tonight. And it said, When he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see. Man, this is something to see. You know how you see something, a wreck or a fire, and uh, you might tell your husband or wife or your kids, hey, come here and look at this. This is something. Well, this is something like ain't never been seen before. And uh, it said, uh, uh, and I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that was set on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, Let's, let's look at this here. All right, it says that uh, the fourth part of man, the fourth part of the, I think we said that would, right now the population is 7 billion people plus. And then last week we said it wouldn't be 7 billion at that time because the church is going to be raptured and taken out. And hopefully that's going to be several million people uh, that's going to be gone. So anyway, uh, ever what the population is here, uh, it said a, a fourth part of it is going to die. But now watch this. He said they're going to be killed with a sword. Okay, just just make you an arrow, just circle that word sword and then draw a line over to the side of your Bible and run all the way up, uh, all the way up to verse 4 and circle it there. You got two words that says uh, uh, you got sword there. So how's these people, how are they going to be killed? With this great sword. <laughs> what is this great sword? Uh, some of us believe it's nuclear weapons. I, I believe that myself. Uh, and uh, so we see that. Okay, he said, and with hunger. Okay, just, just circle that word of hunger and go up to verse 5 and 6. And what you got after a nuclear war, you got a famine. And, uh, and uh, you got food being rationed out. So people are, are dying because of the sword, because of hunger, uh, it said, and with death, and of course both of those together causes death, and with the beast of the earth. Now, a uh, couple things there, uh, the beast of the earth, uh, that could be hungry, starving animals uh, because you've had a nuclear war, could be what that is, uh, but I, I don't usually do this. But I run a check on that word beast of the earth and it ran me over to Reve- Revelations 13 and I'm talking about in, the, in, the, uh, in a Greek uh, dictionary. And uh, if, you got a, if you got one of them, I never use them because they're not that much help. But uh, if you've got one of them, it'll say, uh, like there where it says the beast of the earth, it'll have over that word, it'll have four, four, six, seven. And then you take that and and go over to the back of the thing, and it'll have all these numbers there, and you go down and find 4467, 
And if that word is used anywhere else with the same meaning, it'll show it. And that word shows up in Revelations 13 where the Bible said, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast. Same words used in both scriptures. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, it said, uh, one place said beast, and the other place just says beast. Well, I'll show you why that is, if that's the case. Because in uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, it said, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many, plural, Antichrist. And so not only are people going to be killed by the Antichrist, but they're going to be killed by the Antichrist, uh, the people that work under him, the people that's in his administration, if you will. And uh, so you're going to have uh, a lot of people killed this way. Now, like I said, that, that could mean uh, the beast of the field, but it's just interesting that those two words are the same words, and we know the one over in Revelation 13, we know that's a person. Uh, that is the Antichrist. Okay, so... So we got uh, uh, we got all this going on, and uh, one fourth of uh, seven billion of the Earth's population is going to be killed by nuclear weapons, by uh, hunger, beast, uh, and uh, all of that. Now, it'd be pretty easy to do, considering we don't have no guns. Because by that time they. Well, most, most countries don't have guns anyway. We're one of the few, and the way it's looking, they're going to be trying to get ours. Uh, so uh, it wouldn't be too hard to do. But you take a fellow starved to death, and a fellow that ain't got no gun, and a fellow sick to start with, he's not going to give you too much of a fight. And, uh, and that's the way it's going to be during that, during that tribulation time. And uh, so uh, all that's going to be going on. And by the way, no protection. You know, defund the police. We don't want no police. So by that time, the, probably the only police you'll have will be a police state. Uh, it'll be a policeman that's working for the Antichrist. And they'll be trying to catch the criminal. The only problem is you'll be the criminal, not you, because you won't be here. Uh, but people that are not saved, and uh, they'll be the criminal, and especially if they're believers, and they won't take the mark of the beast, and they won't, uh, take none of that, and they're going to be they're going to be hunting them down. Okay, so uh, so after that, uh, let me see if I, that's number five. Uh, no, that's number four. Number five says, "Who are these that are under the altar?" That's Revelations nine through verse eleven. Y'all see that at home? Don't turn that dial. I wonder how many people at home's watching tonight, but they don't have their Bible. You done quit taking your Bible to church? I'm just having some fun with you, but you need to take your Bible. You need to check things out. Uh, amen? Uh, you need to check things out. Uh, we need to fact check everything. We need to facts check the facts checker, facts check the preacher. Uh, and I get that, boy, I get that out of, out of Bill and Steve and these guys, and I appreciate it. Uh, I want them to check me out. They, sometimes they learn me something. 
And uh, if, you, if you're wanting to know the truth, you don't care for somebody checking you out. Amen. Uh, the only time you don't want to be checked out is, is when, when you think you know it all. And you're the only one that's got truth. Uh, but a lot of times, just like last week, I'd never seen that. I'd never thought about that, where it said that. And uh, so that gets you studying your Bible. Okay, number nine, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them? that dwell on the earth, and white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, and their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they were, and uh, so uh, should be fulfilled. So now, uh, now who are these souls that are in under the altar? Well, it can't be the church. It can't be us. Uh, they are, they are tribulation saints. How do we know there's tribulation saints? Well, a couple of things there. Notice which seal this is. This is the fifth seal. Now, you got two main thoughts concerning Bible numerology concerning the number five. Some people say the number five has to do with grace because the Lord had five wounds and by grace He died for us and uh, that pool at Bethesda had five porches, and that word Bethesda, I think it means the house of grace. So you got a lot of people that think it means grace. And then you got another school of people that think the number five in Bible numerology means death, because by the same token, Christ had five wounds and he died. By the same token, those around the pool at Bethesda, uh, they're all sick and dying. Uh, so you can make a case for both of them. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to do this or not, but I always say it's got a, a dual meaning. It means grace and death. Uh, yes, uh, Christ died, but it was by grace He died for us. Uh, so, uh, so these people are under the fifth seal, and uh, so they've been killed. Here it's connected with death for sure. And, uh, and the Bible says uh, that they have been uh, where's it at? They, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw on the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now we're trying to decide who are these. All right, go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And remember that, that we just read there in the chapter 6. We just read they were killed for the testimony which they held. So there in verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto. Don't leave the the out. It doesn't just say they loved their lives unto death. In other words, they loved their life till they had a heart attack or they got cancer or they had a car wreck. No, it's a specific type of death. He said they loved not their life unto the death. You say, what's the death? Revelations 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. The means of execution during the tribulation 
for those that are executed. It won't be the electric chair. It won't be lethal injection. It'll be the mean. It'll be by beheading. You say, how do you know that? We just read it in the Bible. We just read it in the Bible. That's how we know that. And uh, and we've seen a. Uh, as I, I want to keep emphasizing this, because I see a lot of stuff that people put on social media and the internet, and they try to take something out of Revelation six or eight or nine or thirteen, and they try to make it happening right now. Nothing after chapter 4 has happened yet. Nothing. Now what has happened is that about before President Trump got rid of ISIS and all them, every day we turn the news on and see people getting their head chopped off. Remember that? Okay, that wasn't this, but it's a picture of what's coming. Picture of what's coming. What we're seeing now is not the socialism of Revelation 6, but it's a, it's a glimpse of what's coming. The mark of the beast is not the uh, COVID-19 shot that people are taking now. That's not the mark of the beast. You say, how do you know that? Because the Antichrist hadn't come on the scene yet, and he has to come on the scene to institute the mark of the beast. And he can't come on the scene until the church is gone. And we're still here. Uh, but what we're seeing, what we're seeing is a glimpse of what's going to happen after the church is gone. There's going to be worse pestilence than what we got right now. And they're going to be given more shots. And we looked last week at the King James Bible. It's the only Bible that in Revelation 13, it does not say they're going to receive a mark on their forehead or on their hand. It says, I-N-N like an injection, like an implant. And uh, that's why I like this Bible. And so, so we, uh, you see what we do? We just run some references there and we found out who these people are. They're tribulation saints. Now, I'll tell you another way we know that this is not the church. You say, how, how look, at, look at how they're praying. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They're praying for, for God to bring vengeance on them that killed them. That's not New Testament praying. That's Old Testament praying. And, uh, and there's a word for it. Uh, I couldn't think of it last week, but I looked it up. And it's called imprecatory praying. You find it in the Old Testament. What it is, it's praying for evil upon your enemies. It's praying for a curse upon your enemies. You read a lot of it in the Psalms especially. Look back in Psalms 58 and I'll give you an example. This is David praying. David says in Psalms 58 and verse 3, The wicked are strange from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. There is poison uh, is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf uh, uh, adder that stoppeth her ears. But watch verse 6. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. You had not heard anybody pray that way in a Baptist church. 
Even though they hate people, I've never heard nobody come to the altar and said, Oh Lord, let them melt like a snail. Oh God, bring evil upon them. Uh, gets, gets even, uh, let me give you another in Psalm 69, verse 24. He says, Pour out thy indignation upon them and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. See, that's, that's under the law praying. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah, but when you get over in the New Testament, listen to how people pray over in the New Testament. Look in Luke 9. Watch the Lord rebuke them in Luke 9. Luke, Luke 9 and verse uh, uh, Luke 9 and verse 51. And it came to pass when time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he set messengers before his face uh, and went and entered into the village of Samaria to make ready for them. And they did not receive him. They wouldn't receive the Lord. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and watch his disciples. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, saw they wouldn't receive the Lord, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from out of heaven and consume them even as Elias did? And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of. See, New Testament, we're under spirit of grace. The Lord on the cross, uh, His enemies have nailed Him there and put Him on a cross. And what does He say? He didn't say, God, wipe them out. He says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. So this is another reason that we know these people are not New Testament saints because they're not praying in a New Testament way. Uh, they're praying different. Now, He said, uh, uh, watch this here, uh, he said, they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true? How many have ever had the thought, be honest, I thought the Lord done been back by now. We all have. And sometimes we, we question it. Well, if we in America have thought that way, the way we have been blessed, and we prayed for the Lord to come back. How do you think people in the tribulation is going to be praying? They're going to really, really want Him to come back. And when you go over to the Gospels, uh, you find over there in the Gospels that uh, Matthew 25, uh, over and over again in those parables, uh, and those are representative of tribulation time, Every one of them says the same thing. They all echo the same theme. Lord, you've delayed your coming. Why haven't you already come? You see in Matthew 24, that uh, evil servant there uh, in verse 48, But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, they thought he should have been back. All right, look over in uh, Luke 18. Another parable there, Luke 18. Uh, Luke 18, and it's, it's the uh, parable of the unjust judge. And uh, boy, you're going to have an unjust judge during that tribulation. But look what he says in verse uh, 8. I tell you that, uh, he says, uh, 
Verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. All right, when the Lord comes after people have been in a tribulation period and they're seeing what they're seeing going on, you and I see school shootings, uh, we see uh, mass murders and things, and if we'll be honest, we question in our heart, maybe only for a second, but we question, where's God at? But when you go through things like the tribulation, and every day, year after year, there's going to be a lot of people that's going to lose faith. And they're going to follow the Antichrist. That's why the Lord, we know when the Lord comes back for the church, we know there's going to be faith on the earth. We know that because we're saved by faith, kept by faith. So we know there's going to be faith when the Lord comes back for the church. So this is talking about tribulation time. When the Lord comes back, will He find faith on the earth uh, because of the time they're going through? All right. Man, I want to get through this tonight. Uh, so, uh, let me see if I missed anything on that. Okay, these... Uh, these believers, they're uh, under the altar. They're under the altar. And uh, over in Revelation chapter 4, they're not under an altar. Uh, they're worshiping the Lord, church. They're worshiping the Lord, casting crowns. So two different things. And they might want to note that uh, even though these, uh, these souls have been beheaded, that they're in heaven and the Lord's talking to them. He's still talking to them. Lord gives them a robe to put around their body. You see, when you uh, you not only have a spiritual body that we can see, a tangible body, but inside this spiritual body is a, inside this physical body is a spiritual body that's outlined just like this physical body. And that's why I think that's why that when somebody loses a leg or they lose a a hand, and people say. My leg's gone, but my foot still hurts. Well, when you lose your leg, you don't lose your spiritual leg. You don't lose that. you got a physical body. And even though they cut their heads off, they're still there and under the altar, and they're not headless. It don't say they're headless. they still got a soulish body, and they can still pray. Uh, God talks to them. They're still able to put on robes. Uh, so uh, that's an interesting thing. Now let me see if I can get to this real quick because uh, uh, I want to ask the question because I know you're asking it. What is the reason for us thinking that we're going to escape all this? Why are we any better than anybody else? escape all this. Why are we? Well, one thing, the world's always been that way. Why were the people that lived in Hiroshima, why, were, why did they go, some, go through something that people in other parts of the world has never had to go through anything like that? The Bible said in Ecclesiastes that time and chance they happened to us all. But the reason, it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're better than anybody else. It's just because that we happen to live in the, in the age called the church age. 
When a person can be saved by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, when you get saved, you're sealed until the day of redemption. You cannot lose your salvation, and you're as sure for heaven as if you was already there. And uh, so we look at this. What is the reason, okay? Uh, one reason is, look in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. Why are we going to escape this and others don't? Verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, great tribulation, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of the church is trouble. Jacob's trouble. Jacob represents Israel. The tribulation is not to punish the church. The tribulation is Jacob's trouble. It's to punish Israel. So that's one reason. Okay, another reason is explained in Genesis 5 and 24 when you got a man just out of the blue by the name of Enoch. And the Bible said Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. Somebody said, well, that just means he died and the Lord took him. No, if we go over to Hebrews 11 and 5, it said he didn't see death. He was translated. You got one person shows up like that. And where does he show up at? Right before Noah goes in the ark. Enoch is a type of the church that is translated, taken out before the raft of God falls upon the earth like it fell upon the ark. Noah is a type of that Jew. He goes through the tribulation, but he's in the ark. He's protected. We'll get into that next week when we get into that 144,000. Okay, another reason is, uh, and by the way, that word Noah, it means wanderers, wanderers. You know what Israel's done ever since it, uh, they turned away God? They've wandered all over the whole world. Do you know what Enoch's name means? Enoch's name means an experience. Enoch had an experience that nobody else had ever had. He was translated. Did you know the church is going to have an experience that nobody else has ever had before? We're going to be raptured out. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 9 says this. It said, For God hath not appointed us, the church, for God hath not appointed us to raft, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2 and 13, Paul said, Looking for that Antichrist and that great tribulation, that's not what he told the church. He said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Brother David, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the real Christ. Amen. He's the one that's coming for the church. Amen? Amen. Alright, First uh, Thessalonians 4, 13-18, you know it. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, even those which sleep with Jesus will God bring with him. God's bringing the church with him. 
You say, that ain't us. It says on down there, we're caught up to meet Him in the air. We go back up with Him. And we don't come back down. The Bible said when He comes, He's bringing us with Him. He's not coming back to Revelations 19 verse 11. When the armies of heaven come out, we're going to be with Him. Amen. That's why. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52, Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, sound of the last trump. For the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised. And this incorruption shall put on, uh, this incorruption, uh, the Bible said that we'll be changed in a moment, a twinkling of eye, sound the last trump. For this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up of victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin be in the law. But thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, give me five more minutes. Can I do that? Amen. Uh, I want to finish this. Okay, Revelations uh, 6, verses 12 through 17. Uh, that's the sixth seal. And it takes us all the way through the seven-year tribulation. All the way through it. You say, how do we know that? Well, we, again, we'll just, we'll just look at one place in our Bible and then we'll look at another place. He said, I beheld when they had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great, notice that word great, earthquake. Okay, go over to chapter 16. And look at verse 18. You'll find two words there that you found over there in chapter 6. Great earthquake. That's at the end of the tribulation when that happens. So these seals take us all the way, starting with the Antichrist, all the way to the end of the tribulation. Okay, he says, uh, let's look a little bit more. He said, And the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs. Alright, let's look at uh, Revelations uh, uh, Matthew Matthew 24 and look at verse 29. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, that's the great tribulation, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of of the Son of Man in heaven. That's the end of the tribulation. That's when He comes back at the end. Uh, you can just cross-reference all the way down through there. Uh, uh, the heavens depart as a scroll. Eddie brought that up. And uh, it said, Every mountain is moved out of their place. That's a great earthquake. Moves every mountain. Uh, you read there in chapter 16, it divides the city. And then He said the... Uh, Mighty men and every bond man, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. Why are they hiding there for? Because there ain't no houses left. There ain't no place left. Everything's been destroyed. 
And he said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is coming. Who shall be able to stand? Now draw you a little arrow down to chapter 7. You'll find in that little, uh, you'll find in that chapter 7, you'll find who's going to be able to stand. Them, them that's sealed. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Again, I want to give this in uh, finishing chapter 6 a good outline for the whole book of Revelations and for chapter 6. A good outline would be point one, world run by men. Men has run the world that God's given us. And by the way, they're passing all this uh, green stuff. Well, I hate to tell them they need to read their Bible. There ain't going to be no green stuff left when God gets done. He's going to burn up the green grass and the green trees and there ain't going to be nothing left. Son, uh, number two, first of all, world run by men. Number two, a world ruled by Satan. They've been wanting to know. They've been wanting him. They're going to get him. They're going to get him. And then it said a world rescued by the Savior. Bible said, except those days be shortened, no flesh would survive it, remain. But right before they would completely destroy everything, the Lord's coming back with the armies of heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, we we'll stop there. And uh, we do appreciate you coming. Appreciate all them that's watching online and uh I want you to pray for the services coming up this weekend.